Whether you have a diagnosis or not, I don't care. Jump inside this podcast and I'm going to teach you how to read your own blood work so you can find the answers to your health concerns. Yes, those normal labs that your doctor keeps saying, oh, they look great. We'll see you again in six months. They really have answers in them if you know how to read it correctly. So come join me along this journey, leave a review and share with your friends. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, your host, Dr. Kylie. We have a very incredible story coming on today and a chiropractor by degree, but he's not just a chiropractor. Dr. Davis McAllister is joining us straight from Texas, just north of Dallas in Frisco, where he has his um, practice. You can find his practice at synapse, S-Y-N-A-P-S-E-H-P-C.com. He is also a professor at Parker University, which is a chiropractic school. So Dr. Davis, welcome on. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, tell us a little. I know when I saw your bio, I was like, holy smokes, that's a story. Yeah. I, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. So um, yeah, I grew up in Mississippi, uh, kind of a, the, the majority of the time growing up, I grew up in a relatively rural area. And then when I, we moved when I was in high school uh, to you know a bigger city just outside of Jackson, and, you know, growing up, um, I was a latchkey kid, um, so I kind of date myself when, when I throw that out, because those of us that grew up in the 80s, um, you know, our parents, you know, the, the way the culture was at that time, our parents worked from can to can, and we uh, were left to just kind of fend for ourselves, and in that process, we had to be resilient and resourceful and, and all those things, but at the same time, um, it also lends itself to not having great relationships where your parents are concerned. Um, and mine was not uh, real great with my dad. I got along with my mom fine, but my dad was, you know, it was consistently an issue. And um, it finally came to a head when I was a teenager and, you know, he kicked me out of the house and said, you know, we're done. And I ended up living on the streets for about three months. Um managed to get in touch with an army recruiter and uh, an army recruiter got me in about 10 days after I signed my paperwork. You know, he said, we'll get you out of here. That was the soonest they could get me out, which is actually pretty quick because anymore, if you try to enlist, you're looking at a good couple month wait uh, before you can leave for basic. And so he was able to get me in and that was kind of my escape out of my situation. So I uh, spent eight years in the military <clears throat> I worked in military intelligence. I was a human intelligence specialist, which that's what they call it now. At the time, uh, my job, I was an interrogator, cross-trained in counterintelligence, and I had to learn languages. So that was my, yeah, so that was my job uh, for the eight years that I was in. And then, um, you know, during that process, I had a lot of growing, a lot of maturing I had to do. And, um, you know, you, you never really know how strong you are until being strong is all you really have left. Um, so, uh, you know, I had a lot of growth out of that and, um, but at the same time, I, I was able to figure out what I was capable of and, you know, you know, it allows you to be able to grow beyond your limits. And so, uh, out of that, my self-confidence grew, my self-discipline grew. And, uh, this was getting up towards the end of the nineties, just before nine 11 and decided that, um, you know, it was time to, to go back to school. Uh, they were doing drawdowns in the military. They were actually cutting back some of our job slots. And I was faced with either staying in my job, but not being able to get promoted for several years, or I was going to have to reclassify it to another job, which I didn't want to do. Um, 
or just go ahead and get out and go back to school. So I chose to get out and go back to school and started going to school at Mississippi State where I got my first bachelor's degree. Um, didn't really know what I wanted to major in. Um, you know, going back to my, you know, I traveled a lot when I was in the military and, you know, had still had some international connections and things like that. So I thought maybe it would be a good fit to go into international business. Started getting into the business classes and, and some of the international uh, political science classes and things like that and realized I absolutely hated it. And so I didn't, <laughs> but I didn't really know what else to do. So, um, and at the time I was also a high level competitive power lifter and the uh, starting tight end for the football team uh, invited me to come work out with him. And so I, we went and worked out. He's like, dude, you ought to come out and play. And at the time I was 25, almost 26 years old. And I was like, dude, I'm, I'm too old for that. And, um, I said, there's got to be an age limit. So he went and checked and said, nope, there's no age limit. You have eligibility. You can play. So, um, so I, I went ahead and took that on as a, you know, just as a hobby more than anything else. Really had no anticipation that I would ever. Football? Have, yeah, football. Just join the football team? Yeah. I, I went That's out, awesome. Went out as a walk-on. And, I mean, I was an athlete growing up. Um, yeah. It was always in really good shape. And, and, again, I was a high-level, you know, competitive power lifter. So I was pretty strong. Uh-huh. Um and, and still pretty fast uh, for my age. And so, um, you know, went out, they put us through, they had a uh, walk-on tryout that you had to go through and there were two of us that they kept. And so I was one of the ones. Out of how many? Uh, there was about 15, 20, 20 kids oh, okay. that had walked out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was one of two that they kept. And, and uh, so I had never, no aspirations that I would ever get out and be able to actually play. Um, for me, going from, you know, the military and having my background that I did onto a college campus it, within a couple of weeks. Uh, that was that was a little bit of a difficult transition, especially, you know, having seen everything that I had had and experienced mm-hmm. everything that I had, then going onto a college campus where I'm on there with 18, 19, 20 year old kids that, you know, they, they have a very skewed perception of what the world is. And, um, and of course, they have their opinions, but also kind of to a certain degree that that spoiled mentality and and just kind of taking advantage of, of things and and so I, I had a lot of frustration when I started going to classes and and uh, I used football actually for therapy <laughs> I could I could get out and knock the snot out of people and and not get in trouble for it so and pump weights and yeah, get yeah yeah and so it was just therapy for me um, but I actually ended up getting to work my way out on, on the field doing special teams and things like that and got a bowl ring out of it. So, uh, we played Clemson in the peach bowl and won that one. So I got a bowl ring. Um, Clemson's not in a little school either. Like no, they're the, no, <laughs> they're powerhouse. Yeah, yeah, they are. It was a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was an opportunity. I've always been one of those that when I've had opportunities put in front of me, I, I don't shy away from them. Um, you know, whether I've got extensive, extensive experience in it or not, I'm always going to try something just to, you know, just to see what the experience is. And, um, I love and, that. And, and Take that one, opportunities. Oh, yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I finished my uh, first bachelor's degree uh, there. I finished in two and a half years. Um, I just plugged th- straight through. Um, was taking around 20, 20 to 22 hours a semester. Um, and then I would go school straight through the summers, you know, just trying to get done as quickly as I could. Um, 
but during all that process, my body was pretty beat up between the military and playing football and powerlifting and, and everything else. So <clears throat> I went and visited an uncle down in San Antonio and he took me to a chiropractor for the first time. I didn't even know what that was. I had no idea what a chiropractor was, never heard of it. And uh, went to that first visit and that was the best I had felt in years after that. I got out and ran that night and that was the best run I had had in years. And so I was like, you know, this is something I think that I could do. Started investigating a little bit more and <clears throat> and uh, looked at it as, you know, I can get a doctorate degree. I can work inside, but I don't have to necessarily be stuck behind a desk and, you know, be able to stay active and, and do all those things. So that's what we what I changed my major to and got my prerequisites done. I applied to Parker University, uh, which at the time was uh, Parker College of Chiropractic. It hadn't tra- transitioned over to a university yet. <clears throat> and uh, went to school there and, you know, graduated from there and went to practice right out of school. So, Yeah, it makes me wonder, as I come from an athletic family, too. I, I played volleyball in college, and I never had any idea what chiropractic was until I was an assistant for a chiropractor. After I got my bachelor's degree, and I just wonder, as as a parent and having kids coming through and as a an athlete myself, how much better could our performance have been if we were to add chiropractic in that? Oh yeah, I mean that, that's that's why chiropractic is, is expanding uh, a lot into the the sports realm. That's pretty much what primarily my focus has been in practice is working with athletes. The first couple of years, just trying to get my feet wet. You know, I was general family type practice, and then found myself transitioning and gravitating towards athletes more, and was able to. Um, you know, really focus on on working with athletes. Um, also had some opportunities to be able to uh, kind of change gears. We found ourselves, we hit that economic crunch about 2007, 2008. And a lot of people in our, in our area were losing their jobs, losing their health benefits. And so we saw our, our client base kind of scaling down and um, saw an opportunity to be able to transition. At the time, my wife was also having some severe health issues. And I needed to be able to be more available uh, because I was kind of repeating what I grew up with. I was just working endless hours and never spending much time at home and actually found myself for a, a short period of time at home with my kids and realized I didn't know anything about them. Um, I, I didn't know what they liked. I didn't know what they liked to eat. I, I didn't know the differences in their personalities. It, it was it was bad. And so that was a real start slap of reality for me. And so I kind of changed and flipped my um, our position at the time, um, had an opportunity to be able to, uh, teach and coach, uh, at a high school near where my, you know, where my kids were going to school and, uh, was able to transition, had a couple of doctors that were working for me, taking over the other practice. And, and I cut back to part-time so that I could focus more just on athletes and, and that type of clientele. And then was able to spend a lot of time coaching and, and working with kids. So I did that for a number of years. And then, in 2017, switched back, uh, decided that I wanted to go back to full-time chiropractic, and I still coach part-time, uh, coach powerlifting for a high school where my youngest daughter goes to school. So uh, we have five children, and my oldest is 28. Um, we have a 24-year-old, 19-year-old twins, and then uh, you know our youngest is a sophomore in high school. So uh, I will continue to coach until she graduates, and then you know then I'm officially retiring at that point. But 
Yeah, right. Some other parent will come drag you back in. Can you coach my kid? It's happened to my mom. Yeah. (laughs) My mom coached my volleyball team for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I went to college, did that thing. Mm -hmm. And another a neighbor was like, we need a good volleyball coach. Can you come coach the highs, the the girls on club? She would never do high school, though. It's just a political game. We didn't want to play. but. Yeah, there's a lot of politics in high school athletics. So I mean, there's politics in athletics, period. Doesn't yeah. matter if it's club, high school, pro, college, doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So don't say never. Yeah. Don't say you're retiring. <laughs> you might get drugged back into it. Yeah, I, I, that, that's my official declaration is that I'm going to retire. So we'll see what happens after that. But uh, Are you, you going to keep, keep going with chiropractic? Oh, yeah, yeah. I will continue to be in practice and um you know, I'm, I'm going to always continue to be, that's always going to be a mainstay. So, but, uh, yeah. you know, I have other things that I'm working on and, and transitioning to, and, you know, we'll just see what the future holds. Well, walk us through some of your favorite patient stories in the, in the office. Okay. What transformations have you seen? Um, so uh, my, my scope of practice, I'm more into functional movement and, uh, so I do a lot of movement assessments on patients when they come in, um, and given that I work with a lot of athletes and athletes could be, you know, anywhere from somebody that actually works on a sports team to our weekend warriors type type folks that uh, like to go out and do mud runs and, you know, those types of things. Um, you know, what I, what I refer to as casual marathoners, there's some of those out there that, you know, they train, but they still work um, and uh, just like to run a marathon every once in a while. So, <clears throat> but I work on functional movement and it's always a, a really awesome transition to be able to see because we film their movement patterns when they start and then we uh, will put them through a period of about four weeks and then we'll go back and we'll film them again going through those same movement patterns and seeing the stark reality. And one of the things in our clinic, uh, we started off focusing primarily, we, we were on Parker campus and then we transitioned out to Frisco. We were actually located right next to the Dallas Cowboys headquarters in Frisco. And uh, we're in the sports med building where, uh, matter of fact, the, the Dallas Cowboys or orthopedic surgeon is right across the hall from us. And so, um, you know, we started off working with a lot of veterans uh, with traumatic brain injury and uh, took several different components and several different aspects and looked at what other clinics were doing with that from both a neurological standpoint, physiological standpoint. Um, There's not a whole lot that are actually addressing the physical standpoint. And so that's one of the things that kind of set us apart. I came in and wrote wrote the program for doing the functional assessment portion and developing the programs that would complement a neurological rehabilitation for those you know, veterans that are coming in with traumatic brain injury. Continue to work with that, saw that our, our benefits were a lot higher by combining uh, all three aspects together in our clinical uh, approach. <clears throat> and then when we moved to Frisco, we started drawing in a lot of the retired pro players. Um, so we've seen, you know, I would say some of the most dramatic ones that we've seen. Uh, we had uh one guy that was a retired Green Beret that uh, when he got out, didn't really have much purpose or focus on anything, was struggling, trying to integrate back into society and to the extent where uh, he was suicidal. Um, he, he was basically one step from the edge and 
after uh, coming through our program, us working with him, also getting him some additional resources. Uh, he's been able to completely turn his entire life around. Uh, you know, he doesn't. He's gotten off the pain pills. Uh, he was addicted to Percocet. Um, and so, you know, we've seen some pretty dramatic turnarounds in, in some of those. Um, you know, even with some of the uh, retired athletes that we have coming in, uh, you know, we had one guy that was coming in that had chronic migraines. He had had a migraine. You know, he told us that he had had a migraine every day since 2012. Um, and that he had been through multiple uh, treatment centers and, and things like that, trying to get help. And, you know, both between physical pain and the neurological stuff that he had going on, <clears throat> we were able to work work with him. And, and, you know, he was you know able to come back off the edge and has actually been an integral part in bringing more retired athletes into us um, and, and, you know, in making some key introductions to be able to for us to be able to help more people. Yeah. Retiring athletes, I mean, their their life is the sport. So when you flip out, like I read an article Andrew Luck posted on ESPN a week or two ago, and it was all about his head talk, his mental space in this world that we all thought was so glamorous for him. And it's not. And to see them not only have to recover the mental side, but recover the physical side and then rework all the relationships that have been tarnished over the years too. Like professional athletes, it's not just all fun and games. No, no it's, it's interesting that a lot of the same problems that they have um, are, are similar to a lot of the, the veterans that we deal with, with the had traumatic brain injury, even though their, their mechanisms for causing uh, their physical ailments and, and, you know, mental condition and all those things are completely different. The results have been the same, you know, relatively the same as far as what they deal with in the aftermath of it. You know, there's always the physical ailments that have to be dealt with. A lot of people end up getting addicted to pain pills, trying to trying to just cope. Um, and then there's, you know, the chronic uh, issues with, you know, the cognitive side, uh, short-term memory loss, sometimes long-term memory loss, uh, balance and coordination issues. Uh, you know, there, there's a multitude of things there, you know, the chronic headaches and migraines and all those things that kind of come with it. And they're relatively parallel uh, from both of those standpoints. So, um, yeah, and, and you think about it, the average uh, NFL, I think that they said that at one point in time, I'm not sure if the numbers changed, the average career of an NFL athlete was three or four years. Um, and the ones that we're getting in or have been in anywhere from six to 10 years. Uh, in the league. And, and so, yeah, they've, they've got quite a few things that they're having to deal with and their, their bodies paid a toll, uh, in that whole process. I bet you hear some great stories in your yeah, office. We do meet a lot of, uh, famous people. <laughs> there are some famous people that come through, you know, uh, always, have, always have people try to get me to tell who comes in the office and I'm like, Nope, I'm not breaking HIPAA compliance. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not getting myself in trouble for that. So. Yeah, you just keep your stories clear. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's really cool, guys. If you are an athlete, if you are, if you if any of this resonates with you, you can find him right outside of Dallas, Texas, and Frisco. Oh, there was you know Sean Bradley, the NBA player. So he got in a car wreck, not in a car wreck, but he was hit by a car on his bike here in Southern Utah. And I just watched a documentary on him a few months ago. Um, para, 
paralyzed, I think, neck down, right? I, I believe so, yeah. Can't use arms or his legs, and he just moved mm-hmm. to Dallas. Okay. Because of the facilities there. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's several different uh, really great treatment centers uh, around DFW for, for those types of injuries. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, just because um, Dr. Davis is a chiropractor by degree, he still does chiropractic, but there's a lot more you can do out there, even though you have a degree. So I'm a walking testimonial as well. And don't forget your family, because like he said, he had that awakening where I was like, I need to spend time with my kids. And that's one of my biggest priorities, too. Like I'm going to work 25 hours a week and I'm going to go gung ho during those 25 hours. But the rest I get to be mom. So mold your business to how your lifestyle is, not the other way around. <laughs> All right, Dr. Davis, where can they find you? Uh, my, my website uh, on my personal side is drdavismcallister.com. Uh, on there, you can find, uh, I have a media spotlight where I've done other interviews and I've shared some of my information and kind of expanded some of the information that I shared in my personal story as far as, and as other things that I've done. Uh, I've also got a book out, uh, it's called the pillars of powerful parenting that I started writing when I was teaching and coaching because I had kids that would come and talk to me and, and ask for advice. And, and sometimes parents at the same time, I started, kind of, I started writing all those stories down and it in, ended up turning into uh, the form of a book. And finally, you know, got a clear message to, to finish the book a little over a year ago and finished it out and got it published and it's out on Amazon. Uh, it's, cool. called, it's called The Pillars of Powerful Parenting. Yeah, we could all use some of that. You yeah. sign up as a parent and you don't have no clue what you're doing. No. <laughs> so, yeah. And the only experience you have is from your parents. And as yeah. you did, you broke the generational chains. That, that was my that was my goal. I mean, it was the, it was to break a generational curse. I mean, um, the stuff that my dad did to me was the stuff that his dad did to him, whether it was intentional yep. or not. And um, it it has been a steep learning curve because I I had to unlearn a lot of things and and learn new things as far as how to work with my kids and parenting. And and I I will be the first to say I have made more than my fair share of mistakes. Um, I've had to apologize to my kids for some of my mistakes along the way. And, you know, they've understood. But, you know, I still have great relationship with my kids and and your kids are not always going to do you know, everything that, you know, you necessarily agree with, but um, you don't kick them to the curb at the same time. So, yeah. And my husband's breaking generational chains in his family too. And it's not, the repercussions are not only immediate, but they're life lasting from generations back to generations moving forward. So, and then, and then when you say, you know, like his, his mom did what her mom did and it's just, Back, 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 back. I don't even want to know how far back. All I know is that we are changing those generational chains. So if you have generational chains to change, do it. I'm doing mine all about money and generational chains in regards to money and wealth. He's got a similar story to Dr. Davis. So, uh, all right, let's call it a, let's call it a day and uh, go check him out at synapsehpc.com, drdavismcallister.com as well. And buy his book on Amazon, Pillars of Powerful Parenting. Thanks, Dr. Davis. Ready to have all of your blood work compiled in one location where you can easily read it all together? Well, go grab my book, Why Are My Labs Normal? on Amazon. Grab it, learn how to read your own labs, 
and take the power back in your hands because your normal blood work is loaded with answers. You just got to have the right person reading it and the right person can be you. Go grab it on Amazon, Why Are My Labs Normal by Dr. Kylie Burton. Leave a review and we'll see you on the next episode.